Welcome to the Style Frame Saturdays podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Lee. Join me as I take a deep dive into the wonderful world of style frames and interview those who are industry wizards when it comes to this stage of the animated production process. For those who may not know, style frames are pieces of creative that are developed during the pre-production phase of an animation project, and they help creators and clients alike get an idea of the overall style of a piece. Sometimes the initial vision is carried through to the end, and other times it ends up on the cutting room floor. During this podcast, we'll discuss projects of all shapes and sizes, and the challenges, rewards, and lessons learned while developing what I like to call each guest's favorite frame. As we've mentioned in previous episodes, this podcast would not be possible without the help from Riverside and Anchor. They're the Style Frame Saturday's podcasting tools of choice. And if you're interested in learning more about their capabilities, we've got a couple of links in today's show notes for you to check out. So now that you know how we're getting this podcast to you, let's dive in to today's episode. Today's guest is someone that needs no introduction. He's an amazing creative director who has worked with a ton of great studios and companies, including Digital Kitchen, Imaginary Forces, and School of Motion, and is now currently directing over at Spilt in Denver, Colorado. He's also no stranger to the pitch deck and creative development process, so I'm so curious to hear which frame he'll be highlighting today. Please help me in welcoming Ryan Summers to the show. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How have you been? What's new? I, I am doing great. I just got off of a giant car ride from um, Denver back home to Milwaukee. Um, I just met my teammates at my studio that I just started working with. Um, nice. And I, I, I listened to a couple of um, Style Frame Saturday, so I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm hoping I can match up to, I mean, you've had some of my favorite people as guests, so I hope I, I, <laughs> I do Justin and James and um, everybody else uh, do them justice. So oh, I'm thanks glad for having that me it could be. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm glad it could be a source of entertainment while you guys were making the trip out and back too. Mm -hmm. um, so... What was I going to say? Um, if it's okay with you, you know, to jump into things right away. Um, I'd love to, uh, anyone who doesn't know you, you know, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself? You know, oh my gosh. about your story sure. and how you got sure. into the field of motion design. Um, yeah, I don't know how I found my way fully into motion design because there was no motion design when I started. I'm w way older than probably everybody listening to this. Um, but I was definitely um, a fan of animation and live action films and comic books and cartoons and video games. Um, like when, when you're born the year that Star Wars came out, you kind of are a generation that can't help it. Um, but I definitely um, didn't know that this was a career and um, was probably somewhere in the back of my head trying to find a way without knowing it. Um, but I went to school for chemical engineering for a couple of years. Stumbled my way into 3D Studio. It was before it was 3D Studio Max. It was um, actually not even in Windows. It was DOS. It's very old. Um, but found out that I loved um, animation as much as I loved watching it. I loved making it. Um, and then just kind of stumbled my way through about 10 years of doing character animation for TV and film and doing video games. Then eventually moved to LA to kind of try to work in VFX. Um, but then getting a call one day from a friend of a friend who was like, hey, I'm working at this place called Imaginary Forces. Do you know After Effects? Could you come in over the weekend? Um, and then that just turned into being there for about four years. Um, got to start creative directing there. Um, worked on some amazing movies. Got to work with a lot of my heroes in terms of like film directors and then uh, started freelancing on my own. Um, and then uh, I got to Chicago, worked at Digital Kitchen, um, took the last previous two years and was actually working at School of Motion as a creative director there, which was amazing. Very different, but amazing. Um, and then just recently, just I think it's been like six weeks, I am now the senior creative director at a company called Spilt um, in Denver, Colorado. Very cool. Yeah, that's right. And congratulations again Thank on, you, you know, you the much. on the job over there. Um, yeah, I know. I can't wait to see what you've been working on over there because like you just touched upon, you've worked on so many, 
you know, amazing stuff over the course of your career so far. I mean, even, you know, not just from the studio perspective, you worked on some really cool stuff over at School of Motion too, mm -hmm. with regards to like, you know, doing the educational side of things. Um, so I'm excited to have you on today because you have just such a breadth of work and so much sort of experience um, in the field. So, you know, I'm so excited to dive into your favorite frame and the project that we're going to be talking about because mm -hmm. um, I'm just so curious to hear your perspective on it all, given what you've done and are currently doing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if it's all right with you, I'd love to jump into the favorite frame that you've selected to share with us today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the piece that you're going to talk about? Yeah, sure thing. I mean, I, you know, while I was working at School of Motion, I was always kind of um, keeping track of like what people are doing for style frames and for pitches and, you know, title sequences. And um, I got asked to um, kind of very quickly, um, kind of over the course of a weekend, try to put, to put a pitch together for a, a show that's coming out on FX called Shogun. Um, it's a revival of um, a previous, I think, like TV movie. Um, and the the studio is amazing. FX is one of those, those really great broadcast channels that really, really... Um, loves design, loves sophisticated design. Um, so even if you're doing a promo or a title sequence for them, you feel like you're you're working at the top of your game or you should be working at the top of your game. Um, they they really, in, even in the FX tag for at the end of every FX show that you see where they just show off like FX, most companies just have like a still or, you know, just a very quick animation. Even that is absolutely beautiful and full of some yeah. really wonderful rendering and some 3D stuff. So you you know if you're asked there that like you need, you need to push as hard as you can. Um, so I, um, I've had this idea I, I was familiar with the story i got the book i read as much as i could it's a very it's a huge book it's like five or six hundred pages so i think i listened to it on like audible at two and a half speed to kind of get the vibe of it and um complimenting with what they kind of um told us the the new version of the show was going to be like um i had this image of this suit of armor and the person wearing the suit of armor um just kind of sticking in my head as like a key image right like if you're doing a title sequence or if you're doing um a teaser like the initial teaser for something you always want to try to find that like that poster image or that marvel moment like one of the yes. things i love about every marvel movies um first trailer is there's always like that keystone thing that the, you hang everything else of the, tr the trailer around like one image or one moment they're like oh my gosh i gotta go to the theater and even if i don't know this character even though I don't like the the actor or actresses that are in it, you want to go see what that whole moment was. So mm -hmm. um, this idea of just like focusing in on the, the the suit of armor with someone inside of it, with a hint of a soul or a hint of a spirit or something in it. And you don't really know, is it is it alive? Is it imaginative? Is it a metaphor? Or is it actually real? Is somebody going to inhabit this? Um, that image stuck in my brain. Um, and that was the one that I sent to you. Um, there's actually, there, there's two because I was able to like kind of knock out two different um Two different pieces two different sets of concepts like two sets of boards over the weekend um mm -hmm. but it's funny how i didn't think of this until you asked me i went back and looked at the other concept and they're they're both the, the i think we're going to kind of go through both concepts fully um but sure. each one of them has like really different um color palettes um but mm -hmm. the two images i picked were almost like they almost could have been from a similar sequence because they're both faces looking right at camera but there's mystery there's something to be discovered yes, there's true. kind of um i didn't realize this while i was doing it but there's a little bit of hint of like is there a person behind this? Is this just a sculpture? Is it living? Is it artifact? Is it history? Is it current? Um, so both of those somehow, I guess, were just sticking in my head without really realizing it. And those were the cornerstones for both. Like I, I basically made that image and then built the story to the left and right of that um, by making those images first, um, which Very is cool. kind of like how it happens a lot of times. Like you don't really have the full story for everything, but you right. try to find something, especially when you're trying to go fast and you've been given a brief and you have a couple of days 
you got to find right. something that you like are either creatively interested or selfishly want to like, like see come to life. So that's where those two came from. That's so interesting. And it, what's interesting about this too, is that you were approached, which I would love to talk about a little bit too, with you as well. You mm-hmm. were approached to, you know, put together this concept for a, a title sequence for the show mm-hmm. for effects, um, given only these couple or few days, um, you know, what was on the client's end, you know, what, what was their conversation with you? Were they, were they like, we want fully fleshed out storyboards and then style mm-hmm. frames or whatever, or do they kind of say to you, full con- creative control, you know, like show mm-hmm. us a concept one way or another, like how did that conversation go? Yeah, it was pretty open, you know, like that, that's a great thing about a lot of these briefs are that, and, and this is for a, like a trailer that's going to sh- show off what the show is going to be like. Um, but in my mind, like I, I can't like put together all the ideas until I have like the full spectrum of the story figured out, even if it's just in sketches mm-hmm. or a lot of times I'll just pull reference or scrap from wherever I can find it to try to um, like, just kind of like storyboard or kind of like almost like animatic, but just in stills figure out like, where can this go? What can we say? What can we do? Um, mm-hmm. And, and the client was like, I, I, I think probably because I hadn't done this in a while too, because I'd been at school motion for so long. I probably, it's like a band who hasn't played for a while. And then like, they're about to go on a concert <laughs> and they, they all get in the room together and they probably play a little too hard. They probably play a little too fast um, because they're just excited about being together. And then they kind of like right. slow down. Um, I think it was probably a little bit of overkill, but I did, I, I can't remember how many frames there were for each one, but I think it was like nine or 10, no, probably even more than that, like um, 11 or 12 frames for two different ideas where they probably were looking more for just like, can you just give us like one key image, maybe a, co- a little bit of reference and a write-up? Um, oh, wow. Okay. At least in the initial phases of like, hey, which way should we go? They're just looking right. for big picture stuff. Um, so it's probably a little bit of like excitement, maybe even a little twinge of imposter syndrome of like, can I still do this? Like what it'd be like to like do it again? It's sure. been like two years on the sideline. Um, but also just really like a lot of excitement about the subject matter um the the reference that i was able to find i think i i sent you like just the the litany of like reference i kind of found um mm-hmm. and then also just like the excitement with the tools right you know like i, I do a lot right. of this, a lot of times i used to do a lot this sounds weird a lot of my stuff frames in after effects because i knew like i would need to be able to make sure that it could be animated um but i discovered this tool called boris optics recently and i was really really excited about playing with it and i really hadn't at all until then. And it was, it, it, that was kind of a game changer for me for making style frames under pressure. I wouldn't even call it quickly, but just under pressure. Yeah. Um, and my first two or three frames really suffered for it because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it probably took way too long. But once I got a little bit of a shorthand of what's capable and what you can do in it, um, that just lit a fire into me in terms of like trying to create, trying to see how far I could push it and what I could do with a couple mm-hmm. pieces of reference all thrown into, into optics. Wow. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And they're beautiful too. And so- Thanks what I, what I think is really interesting about this concept, you know, as we were sort of talking about it offline is that, um, you even gave, uh, you gave me the treatment and I'm trying to pull that up right now. Um, you talk about it a little bit that, you know, there's these three leads, um, and the fact that for your style frames, you know, to sort of get this concept in front of the client, you're focusing on sort of this one person, which you just mm-hmm. alluded to, you know, sort of like, is it a living, breathing thing? Is it just sort of like a, a metaphor or whatever? So um, based on the little bit of the story that you knew, um, you know, how did you sort of focus in on one person when you knew that like, you know, there were these sort of like three sort of key people in mm-hmm. the story itself? Yeah, the, the the show itself is going to focus on um, on these these three people, and it, it, the details of the show aren't as important as just the idea that 
whenever you're working on something and you're trying to hint at a story, you're, you're, you're grasping at straws, right? And I kind of personally, and maybe this is controversial, I actually think there's a lot of very beautiful, but um, there's beautiful title sequences that, and, and teaser trailers and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of it sometimes like fails, at least for me, because a lot of it's almost either an ego stroke for the artist making it. Cause it's like, Oh my mm. God, I've been doing motion design and I'm making commercials for Reese's peanut butter cups and you know, like, like life insurance. And I'm finally going to do something creative. And then it ends up being much more of a personal, a personal kind of exploration of stuff you want to do. Like, Oh, I got to, mm. I want to learn redshift. So I'm going to make a title sequence all about, you know, really beautiful 3d, or I, I want to focus on this one obsession that I have. And I think that's good, but I think there's a lot of title sequences that actually don't work conceptually first in service of the show or in service of the themes of the show. Mm -hmm. That's like a second or third thing. And that's why the clients always have to kind of like pull it back into the, the world of what they need, because we're just like these tightly wound artists that are just like, give me something that I can chew on for more than a week that has some meaning and has some creativity. Um, sure. So for me, like, like this, this idea, and I think in both of these examples, um, this idea that there's there's a trinity, whether it's a trinity of characters or a trinity of truth about like behind like a character's motivation. Um, so it always came to this idea of these threes and a journey connecting them. So the first um, sequence, the kind of warm colored sequence that I think I, I think I call mm -hmm. it agent of change. Um, that one was really about trying to show the perspective of the people, not show perspective through their eyes, but show their eyes as they're looking out to the world. So you see them. Okay. So you see one of the characters looking out as he's undergoing some trauma that happens at the beginning of the show. Um, there's a moment where um, it transforms into this kind of like ink that kind of reckon is um, echoed in the actual, um, the uh, I think it's called karakana, the kanji, like the actual like Japanese letter forms of the show. Um, but mm -hmm. those come to life and are active and they pull through an environment and you see the visage of one of the characters just kind of like in the ink, almost like a ghost for a moment. And you see her looking out. And at the end, you finally see this, this character who's going to have to, you know, challenge the rest of the world wearing, like you don't know it right away, but as it pushes in after you see the title, you see this hint of, um, life like the spark inside this armor that makes you think like did i just see that or not it would happen really quickly in edit but you're like did something come to life is there someone wearing this or is that just kind of like a mystery um so there's that link of the journey that these three characters have, each have their own journey but they all have the same level of like challenge or level of trauma behind mm -hmm. everything they've gone through mm -hmm. um, but at the same time you're starting to get a sense of the setting and the place of where this story is going to take um take place as well so it's trying to do a lot of things at once it's trying to introduce three characters have some hint of like the kind of like emotional tenor of it, but also be like, this is at this time period in this location. Right, right. And I love what you uh, say at the beginning of this concept too, in the in the set that you sent over that it's um, the theme also is representative of like freedom versus constraints as you're sort of like kind of touching on this trinity that you talked about, which I thought was really cool. I've always, uh, with regards to your work and, and how you speak about work in general, that's what I've always admired about you too, is that... Um, you you really have a knack for for storytelling and you know using really great terminology to to get concepts across too like aesthetically like all these beautiful frames all this beautiful work that you're always doing but then to like actually describe it and like you know present the idea i think you're just like phenomenal at doing that so well, the fact that you included being, that is really cool <laughs> you're being very kind i think it's a lot of times it's a crutch i use because i don't I don't truly believe I'm as good of a designer as the people that I, the people that you've had on your show, right? Like Michelle is amazing. Um, I look to um, Justin Harder. Like I, I, every time he releases something, I'm probably the first person to retweet it because I think it's so amazing. Um, but if it's on Instagram or Twitter, somehow I see his stuff and have to share it with people. Um, 
those people are truly amazing designers to me. Like, like they can go into Photoshop and with raw material, with nothing. James Ramirez is the same way, right? Like he has a, a look and a vision of style. And when you see it, you know it's James, right? When you see Justin, he has a signature. I do not have a signature. Um, I don't for, either. <laughs> for better or for worse. But I feel like I try to use um, at School of Motion um, in one of my courses, I, I try to describe this thing called the Artist OS that I believe in that motion designers specifically really have the, these skills that they may not realize or maybe a little um like have a little bit of imposter syndrome about it but i really truly believe if you've been in the industry for a while at all and you think about what you're doing um, most motion designers have the ability to draw have the ability to write and have the ability to talk and those are kind of like your superpower separate from all the kind of on the box skills and the software skills um and you can cultivate those the same way you'd learn houdini you can get better at it but i think that that right. is um i've probably doubled down on like i don't think i'm the best illustrator like i can't make an illustration but i can draw enough to indicate what i want to do and where i want something to go or screen direction or try to like give hints of where something should animate um i feel like i've gotten pretty good at writing that's something i used to like really really be ashamed of and i feel like i've doubled down on that um and then the speaking has just come from my total fear of public speaking like i um really really i used to stutter i used to um, be really afraid of getting in front of people and i forced myself to um take a lot of like speech classes and a lot of kind wow. of like like i knew that if i was going to become when I was a chemical engineer, I wouldn't have to do that. And then when I said, oh, I'm going to be an artist, I think I want to do this. I figured I probably was going to have to get better at talking or at least not be afraid of it. Um, so I took the same speech class with a really amazing instructor early on in my, my um, art career in college. And he basically just conditioned me into like not being afraid and figuring out wow. tricks and ways to kind of like get better at talking. And it's something I could always that. do better at. I could always, I feel like I could always improve. And I like, I watch different people speak and try to take tips and tricks from them. But um, sure. I think that is probably the key to a lot of people when they talk about style frames, you're making your style frames, but they have to connect into a story and that story has right. to be tell, told, right? And right. most of the time we don't have time to do 20, 30 frames. So you put them in a deck, you get now in our world now, you get on Zoom, you have to do some of that heavy lifting That's true. and either your writing or your speaking will kind of, kind of like carry a lot of that weight. So I appreciate I think, that, that no, you say no, that. Well, I think you've touched on it in some Twitter threads, you know, over the past mm -hmm. year or two. Um, I think, you know, even in one of our, you know, on the Style Frame Saturday social uh, channels, you know, one of the questions I think we posed to our audience, oh my gosh, I think maybe months ago now is like, you know, how do you start your style frames? Asking to like everybody, just because we're curious to know, like, mm -hmm. how are, how are you guys starting this? And I'll never forget, you wrote, you just said, right. And yeah. I was just like, like that was so like, I feel like for me, at least it would be, I need to get on the computer. I need to like yep. start pulling up some reference and this and that, but you're so right. You know, that mm -hmm. it, it really is this matter of writing, thinking about the concept, thinking about the storytelling, like it really is like kind of the, the focal element and mm -hmm. just some other stuff that you've shared on Twitter over, you know, the past year or two that I've really sort of like focused on really is a lot of this writing stuff. So mm -hmm. like, I think you even mentioned that, you know, like a lot of people in the industry, if they want to become a creative director, like, you know, like what, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? And I think you had said something about like, you know, you know, improve upon your writing, improve yeah. upon how you're going to, you know, be describing these stories and concepts that you're putting in front of people kind of thing. And it's, I just thought it was just such a mind blowing, like mic drop, mm -hmm. like epic moment, because I was sort of like, it's so true. Because I feel like, you know, this, I don't want to make a generalization and I don't want to speak for everybody within the industry either, but you know, we think of these sort of like technical yeah. on the box skills, 
but there's so much more too that, yeah. you know, like can really differentiate one, someone from someone else or one project from a di another project. So, you know, I, I really love when you talk about this type of stuff because it, it's really informational. It's really educational. Yeah. I mean, it's something I've suffered through a long time because I never felt like anyone talked about it, but I was, I was getting that stuff from listening to filmmakers and screenwriters mm -hmm. talk about like, how do, you know, great example, Jordan Peele's Nope just came out recently and I love the movie, but it confounded me. And I was desperate to find out like, how did he come to these solutions for this film? He basically was like, I'm going to make a Spielberg sized epic film. I shoot it in IMAX, but I also want to talk about the exploitation of minorities built into the DNA of filmmaking. Like, how do you, how do you combine those two things in a way that isn't a complete mess? And it's also mm -hmm. just flat out entertaining, you know, so mm -hmm. I've listened to him talk. I've listened to his editor talk. I've listened to his cinematographer talk. I've listened to other editors to, or other film writers, screenwriters talking about what they were interpreting from what they were doing. And so much of it is this idea that we, we get asked or we think we have to make like the most beautiful frames or the most difficult to make frames because there's so much technology right. behind it now. Like I got to have four GPUs and I need to have Houdini and I need to have a, a render farm somewhere. Right. And it, it, I think we get so stuck in the echo chamber of trying to chase how to make the frames and yes. how hard it is that we don't stop and think about like, well, why are we making it? Right. Like, like we are just worried about the how, but the, like, I always say this all the time. I just challenged my team at Spilt to do this because we're working on a title sequence that I came in like about halfway through the process. And I, I asked the owner, Ed, if I could kind of like take a new look at how we would make a title sequence. And it's a murder mystery show. Um, and I, I always go back to this thing. Like, like there's this whole idea to me that beauty without intent is pretty much like vacuous and empty. You can make yes. something beautiful and that's great. And a poster to grab someone's attention is great. That one moment when you're driving by it. But if you're going to make something that you're asking people to watch repeatedly over and over and over and over eight episodes in a row when they're binge watching it and not hit skip, there needs to be intent behind it. And that's why mm -hmm. for me, like um, the title sequence severance on Apple TV, like that is one of the best title sequences I've seen in ages because every time I watch it, not only is it executed well and it's beautiful and I can see the the touchstones of like who the people were that influenced that artist that made it, it rewards you for your repeated viewing and it rewards you for repeated viewing in ways that are interconnected with each episode, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's things that happen that are just a little hint of it that three episodes you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that's what they were saying. And that yeah. can only be done when somebody's collaborating with the, you know, the showrunners and what they're trying to approach, but also spending a lot of time thinking about what's my intent. And it, for me, this is what I took the team through spilt on this project was, and I think I even put it in the PSD. I, I always write this in my artboards. I use artboards like religiously in Photoshop once I found them. I love um, that you I, do this. <laughs> but I always put um like a concept guide at the as my first frame. Yeah. And I ask myself three questions. I ask myself, what's the theme? What's the tone? And what is the response that I want from the audience? Right. Because unless you're just making art for yourself, which I would love to be able to do that, but like Everything we make has an audience, especially when we're working for advertising or we're working for, there's an audience that needs to get something, right? There's an intent, right. like the showrunner may not know, or the creator may not know for a title sequence what they want, but it's your job to help answer that for them by asking them that question with your pitch, with, with your style frames. Yes. So if like you looked at the two different, um, the two different sequences that I, I put together for this, I was asking very different questions. It wasn't just like, hey, here's a cool colored um, title sequence that you know is a journey. And then here's a cool, uh, uh, warm colored title sequence that ends up in the armor. They were specifically made 
to ask different things. So, so one of them is about like what you're mentioning. That's what the write-up for each one kind of reflects. One is about freedom versus constraints and it's an exploration and it makes you, the viewer want to go and find out, I don't know what this show was. What's, what's Shogun? What is this? It should make you want to go and find out what it is. What was the time? Pl- mm-hmm. um, what's the setting? What's the era? Who are, might these three characters be? And it's asking the audience that question. Um, the other one was more about like this, I, the sense of like mystery and intrigue and, it wasn't about the place, right? Everything is literally obscured in fog and mist. You can't, you can't tell where this is, you know, mm-hmm. all that much. Um, but it was this idea that there was this loss of identity that that really comes down to something that the showrunner um, and the people working the show kind of hinted at. Um, that through all the process, all three of these characters are either reinventing themselves or losing a part of themselves. Right. Um, and then totally, you could do that a bunch of different ways, right? But I wanted it to be have a hint of horror without necessarily feeling like it's a monster film or it's a slasher film, but have this hint that there may be something supernatural about the show that's not just literal real world. Um, right. And then at the end, I kind of ended it with these three figures that are obscured. You never actually see any of the actors or any of the people playing it, but I wanted you to want to know who is behind all of these masks. Like who's hiding in the mist, who's climbing up this hill, who's you know trying to speak to you without speaking to you. Um, so I'm not just asking the client, Hey, do you like this look or do you like this style or do you want to be 2D or do you want to be 3D? What do you want my work to ask the audience? Like, what's the effect? Do you obviously it's to watch the show, right? Like there's a difference between <laughs> my, like, like you need people to watch the show, but beyond that, like that's like base level success. But like, what right. do you want from, from this effort of doing it? Right. You know, and so those are the questions I always ask all the time of a client It's like, there's a difference between a need and a want. And I kind of use this structure just to get me writing and to get me pulling different references. And I'll, I'll, if I have that down, I'll be like, okay, well, what other movies have done this for me? Like what other movies have this theme and this tone True. and this response? Mm-hmm. And then like I use, um, oh, I can't remember the name of I have to find it. Um, but there's a great tool. Why am I forgetting it? There's an awesome um, researching tool that it, it costs a little bit of money. I'll find out the name of it. I'm totally blanking on it. Um, but there's, there's this, I used to go to all these different sites that had um, like rips of Blu-rays, just like every 10th frame or every two minutes. And it was just like screen captures of movies. Oh, wow. um, but I'll, I'll find the name of it for you while we're doing this. But there's a really, really great reference tool called Shot Deck is what I was looking for. Okay. Um, that you, it is, you do have to pay a little bit, like 50 or 60 bucks a year, but it's basically like, Every movie that's remotely beautiful, they've taken screenshots that are high res, that but they've tagged everything. So they've literally tagged like this is a 15 millimeter shot. This is a oh, wow. shot looking up. This is silhouette. This has smoke. This is a title card. Um, and it's it's been built by the guy who was the DP for um, the Joker movie, the most recent Joker movie. Wow, no way. Because he basically is doing pitches as a DP on this is what I want my look to be. And True. he's tired of always going and trying to find, oh, this shot from Taxi Driver and this shot from Apocalypse Now that he basically went to all the studios and said, can we license stills? And can you make money from me letting other people find these beautiful frames for movies. <laughs> um, so I, so rather than going through Google or going through Pinterest, which is still a great reference, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times when I'm trying to do something like this, I'll pull ideas and pull reference. And that's what you'll see a lot of um, in that reference um, file that I sent you is just like, here's all the different things that I was kind of like thinking about. Yeah. Um, but then I'll do this pass on top of that where I will go and tag those in bridge. I dump everything in a bridge okay. and I start, I'll write tags that were like, I think I'm looking for stuff like this. Like I know on this one, I needed shots of kanji, shots of fog, shots of ink, shots of silhouettes and skies. And then I'll 
take all my reference and start kind of just like, okay, cool. I don't even care what movie it's from. I don't care if I found it from a music video or if it's, you know, something from Pexels or anywhere that I could find something. Now I have this new subset of ideas or images. Let me go and see what I can find from here. And that's where I start getting inspiration and start getting ideas for like, how do I tell a story? What cameras can I use? What mood can I make? Yeah. What colors yeah. are available? You know, like the world's right. kind of like. It's amazing. It's amazing how, you know, you keep saying the word intention. I think that's like a great word to couple with like creativity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you keep saying intention with regards to the storytelling, intention with regards to the design, but even just intentional referencing and getting references yeah. like is so important because like, just take like a different camera focal length for, uh, mm -hmm. for instance. I mean, like, yeah. It could tell a drastically different story, just that single element. Yeah. So the fact that you pull all that stuff together and you have this like enormous like reference deck, um, I think I tend to forget sometimes that like, you know, the more reference that I pull, the better, because mm -hmm. maybe even the idea that I had initially is not the idea that I'm actually going to design. And you need to afford yourself that, right? Like I think right. um, I, I'm trying to teach my team and other people that, you know, at School of Motion that I've trained that. We have to stop referencing the same body of work, right? Like yes. I, I can't take much more of people saying, oh, what did that, what's that thing that Elastic did or what's that thing or that Tendril. Patrick Claire did on Westworld <laughs> or yeah, Manverse Machine or Central. <laughs> There's a reason why motion design to some degree is um, losing a little bit of its power because we're all so focused on how do they make that? Did you watch this tutorial? Did you learn right. this new thing in X particles? Houdini can do this. And we're not going back and thinking like, oh man, did you see this new research where people are tying together science and fashion? Or somebody 3D printed a new dress for this haute couture thing that showed up in Paris. Why did they do it? Oh, it was actually influenced by macrobiology. Like people aren't going down those paths where when motion design, before it was called motion design, um, people were kind of just coming with their weird obsessions and their weird influences and finding motion design. And like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm using After Effects, but I'm interested in these 20 other things that have nothing to do with this echo chamber <laughs> of shape layers and these four plugins and like this, this, you know, like, so I'm trying internally, at least uh, even at Spilt, to to wean people off of, oh, did you see this cool thing in Mayor of Kingstown? And oh, what about this thing from Westworld? And like, like, I don't want to serve up reheated concepts that other people have intentfully designed mm -hmm. for some for a question that my show is not asking or my product is not asking right, right like right if you were going to do the deep dive of be like like this used to happen with people who really loved ash thorpe like oh how does ash thorpe do what he does i'm like okay read an interview from ash thorpe and find out what his influences are right like he loves right. katsuhiro tomo he loves stanley kubrick and he loves old classic cars now go find people that those people were influenced by and find out what right. they were vibing on like stanley kubrick was a photographer before he made movies why who was he into what kind of cameras did he shoot and then go and find that stuff and pull from that reference to make your own kind of like if you're going to do that like you've got to allow yourself like the time and headspace to do that like like yeah. to find to realize that like that first idea that's the starting point of a journey that your reference should take you to a new place because you'll have yes. a discovery where you're like oh i didn't think I, I literally there's an image that you'll probably be able to pull up that i found from um kong island of all things of um oh, the wow. main character throwing like a machete through this green smoke that like that changed the entire direction of everything that I was going on for that second concept. And I didn't use that look. I didn't use anything to do with Kong, like Skull Island, but that put me down the path of in, in shot deck typing in 
volume spoke or fog or something like that. And then I was introduced to Apocalypse Now and Apocalypse Now put me to this weird, cool double exposure thing that didn't look anything like True Detective. And it just took me down this path, even inside the world of films, that was very different from where I started because that that first concept, the warm colored close up on the eye, that was mm-hmm. all I was going to do. And then as I was researching, I found this this you know breadcrumb trail that took me to a whole other place of thinking about obscuration and identity right. and losing. And that, that opened up this whole other thing that w- was way more interesting, I think, than the first concept. But if I didn't I was, allow myself or open it up, I would never would have gone there. For sure. And I was, th- that was actually going to be a follow-up question to all of this too, you know, you know, with regards to like, you know, intentional referencing and designing. I was going to say, what brought you in this other direction for the one with the sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, identity sort of like thing theme that you had going on you know because not only is it just a different concept there's like a completely different color palette and you know the framing of the shots is different so I was sort of like mm-hmm. what you know was it something that the the client had kind of said that you know made you think of this second concept but you know you just answered it you know you're like well I went down this rabbit hole and here's where yeah. I ended up <laughs> but it was connected <laughs> really back cool. to that I would say the other like superpower that if you're thinking about becoming a creative director or a better, better style frame artist is it's really, um, sounds stupid, but it's not, it's having the ability to not hear things, but to listen to things. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of being a creative director is like learning to shut up and, and, and listen and, and understand. I think we were talking about like need versus want, like really start to understand the wants. And that, that's where, you know, I started asking myself questions about these characters and I read some more about the original subject matter and how you know they're elevating one character in particular i'm like why did they do that i was like oh they found a parallel someone in this show found a parallel that didn't exist in the original tv movie but it was in the source text i'm like man i should try to i should try to find a way to express that visually so i had this idea of like i mean i do mind mapping and like word listing a lot of times too just as like Mm -hmm. if i'm stuck and somewhere in there somewhere in my head or somewhere in something i wrote was this idea of identity and obscuration and loss and then without trying to like you you have to feed your brain a certain amount of stuff and then like go off and do something else like that's why it's great having two or three different jobs going at the same time where you just if you if you just did like winnie the pooh and just said like think 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 over and over and over and just stared at your monitor you would never get there right but if you go for walks (laughs) if you exercise if you take a long shower whatever it is that you do or you just let yourself dream a little bit or you take a long lunch you fed enough of good material that you let your brain do its crazy thing that it does when you just let it go and then you come back to it and you find another way through like visuals too so absolutely absolutely we've literally talked nothing about like photoshop or after effects or like which is totally making fine style because, frames <laughs> which is totally fine because that's that's what i love about putting together this podcast hopefully it's mm-hmm. you know i'm hoping that it's helpful to motion designers in the industry to you know like you said we always talk about tutorials and and, and the technical aspects of this stuff and that's all mm-hmm. very important you need to obviously yep. know how to use the tools to create what you're kind of envisioning in your head but the why behind it like why intention i think is another actually great word for why too you know intentionally mm-hmm. what am i trying to tell intentionally what am i trying to design exactly. and that's why i'm i've was, have been so excited that you were agreeable to come on because you have these kinds of conversations with other people on social media. And I was like, man, you know, this would be great, you know, if Ryan could come on and we can kind of talk about this behind some mm-hmm. of your, your own work, because I think they are important conversations to have, because I'm hoping that, uh, in addition to that, it kind of sparks somebody else's creativity to be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, I saw this thing the other day or when I was in the shower, I had this crazy idea. Maybe I should actually kind of put that to, you know, pen to paper and, and test mm-hmm. it out, you know? Um, something that we had talked about offline too, 
um, was the fact that, you know, this was such a quick turnaround. So um, in addition to, you know, the intention behind the designs and stuff, you know, how, I guess my question is, (laughs) you know, how do you craft a story with such intention within these style frames when you're given such a quick turnaround? Um, I, I lean back on writing a lot. Like I, I will, I will do that thing. And you can see in that Photoshop file where I, I have the whole, um, the whole kind of theme tone and, and response that I just lay off to the side and I always kind of go back to it, but then fairly quickly, I'll just lay out like, like six or nine, however long I think this, the set of frames I should have. Um, I, I'll set out six or nine kind of just in a grid with artboards and I'll literally just like drop in some type that says what I think this shot should be. Like, this is an opening shot. Mm-hmm. This is a title card. This is establishing, this is a medium, this is a wide, this is the emotion I want people to feel right now. Um, And just try to like, I do the same thing for animation, but I just do it in Premiere where I'm like, oh, this shot should be this long. And I just literally just put type, right? Like just like, I. otherwise it's so easy to get lost. If you don't have a key image in your head that you could just dive in and start making. Um, Or the other problem is you have one key image and you spend six hours trying to make a perfect image. And then you're like, okay, what comes before this? Right. Oh, actually, I don't need this six hour long key image because it doesn't work with the rest of the story because your brain's thinking about it. So I try not to let myself get too far ahead. So I'll literally just kind of like do a very light like writing session. Like, okay, in, I know I think I need six frames or nine frames or however many I think would be nice in a book or in a deck. And I'll just kind of write it out. And then from there, sometimes I'll grab scrap. I'll just pull in reference. Like for this one, I did a lot of... um. I think um, I pulled a lot of stuff from a, um, a Mark Romanic music video with... um. Oh, what's the guy's name? The 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 guitarist for Keith Richards, the guitarist from um, Rolling Stone. He has this really um, awful song, but the the music video has been stuck in my head. Where there's a lot of um, really um, like like very high contrast lighting, where um, Keith Richards kind of like moves in and out of a spotlight, pointing down. And I've always wanted to use this one shot where, or use this the setup where he comes into the light, and as he comes out, they must have like put like a little flashlight like right next to his eye, right when he kind of like went into the darkness, and there's this little ping of light. So you literally see nothing as his face goes back, but you see the, the, the catch light, the rim light of on his eye. And it looks like there's this like demon peering at you through the darkness, but you're like, I just saw Keith Richards, but it, it had this moment where you're like, Holy shit, this is scary. Like there's a moment here where I'm like, and that I, I wanted that in that frame. Um, so oh, I actually cool. even built, I built that frame um, and I'd forgotten about it. And I went back to my reference and there's, I think, um, the second to last frame for that first concept, I went back into Photoshop and I literally took that frame of um, Keith Richards. I'd screen grabbed it, scaled it up, did some like AI upresing so it wasn't so bad and like peppered in like just a little bit of his his um, his eyebrows and then that catch light with just like this little, tiniest little hint of his eye just so that I could say like on the phone calls, like, and if you look closely, lean in because oh, yeah. I wanted people to lean into all the detail that I'd done. I spent oh, a lot of time yeah, trying to make right. it look filmic, but I'm like, could you just lean in? Like, I, I want to make sure you guys see like, I'm trying to craft moments when I'm doing a, a pitch also that engages people, makes them ask questions, be like, oh my God, we got to have that. Yes. I was like, look in, like it's, it's like 5% opacity, but you can see there's a hint of the human inside. And then when we cut to the next frame, you see the close up of like the intensity of his eyes. And they're like, right. what does that look like? I, I love asking questions when I do a pitch, but you have to have the frames that do that. And I asked him like, does that look like he's afraid? Does he look angry? Does he look excited? Does he look scared? I'm like, that's what you want the viewer to wonder about. That's the last image before we go. That's why I made the image way we did. I, I'm not telling you. I'm just making you think, so that there is that moment so where you cool. get you get the client coming back. Is like, I don't know. Maybe maybe he should be afraid. Can we make him look more afraid and then make him? At any moment you can get that. Like you get a, a client engaged. Yes. You've bought them in on something more than just can you make a pretty frame. They're like they're asking questions about their own work. They're like, should right. we go back and go to one of the episodes and make him look a little more scared? If you can pull that trick, then. 
nine times out of 10, unless it's a budget consideration, you're closer to winning than you are to losing. That's awesome. So now, now knowing a little bit more of the backstory too, behind these two concepts, um, which of the two was it that the client ended up going with? Neither. Oh, the client didn't win go with us. We didn't win. Oh, That's the okay. fun story about all this stuff. The, I, I don't even know who they went with, but um, not us. <laughs> I had no why idea. I wanted to show. Yeah. That's why I wanted to show it though, is because you can spend all of this time and you can spend all this energy True. and you can be very proud of something when you start off with a blank page. And like, like the depth of thought that I felt like I put into this was pretty significant. And I, I, sure. I'm very excited to see I'm excited to see where what they went with and where they went because you know like that's right. We also were not considering like how to make this. It was just like they were blue sky. They're like pitch something, come up with something cool, and if we mm -hmm. go with it, we'll figure out you know budget wise how to make it and technique and you know like do we shoot it? Is it CG? Wow. Whatever. They were just like they wanted ideas. So um yeah so I mean we in this deck there was another CD working with me as well and they pitched two additional ideas and they they liked certain things but you know like it was a hurry up and wait. We did all this stuff and then we didn't hear anything for weeks and then finally like we really love this idea but. We're gonna go with something else. Like, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, like they're very cool and they're cordial and everything. But um, that's just the way that's the way it goes, right? Like some stuff you could do. I have another deck that I don't have here with me now, but I have a deck where I, I was pitching up against one of my favorite old studios I used to work at, and I literally did not have time to put a style frame together. So I literally put reference in what I think was a unique way and told the story. And I beat that studio. And I'm sure they put three designers on it and like tons of work and I think I had like a 10 page deck, nine page deck and wow. we won the job. So you never know what's going to connect. Right. Well, and that's true too. And um, going back a little bit to what, you know, ended up happening with, with this project in particular, I think it's mm -hmm. interesting that you just said too, that, you know, we weren't even really thinking like how we were going to execute it. The client even, didn't even really care how we were going to execute it too. When the time, if the time yeah. were to come, we would then figure it out. And that's something that I think a lot about too. Sometimes I feel like I personally, when I'm developing frames, sometimes get caught up in, you know, like not just like how I see it moving, but from a technical standpoint, which mm -hmm. kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation. I'm sort of like, how are we going to technically execute this? Because I'm yeah. always like, I know I'm passing this off. How do I make this easy for the person that I'm passing it off if I'm not animating right. it myself? So that's a constraint that maybe I need to like work on myself or whatever, but it's kind of great that you kind of had this flexibility to sort yeah, of be like, that's do whatever you can. We need an idea. And yeah it delivered, which is great. I mean, I, I will say like 90% like of my jobs, you definitely design to budget or design to the ask, but I've learned, mm -hmm. especially the last like four or five years before school of motion that the client doesn't know what they want till they know they want it. Right. Like they, they, right. they have, I think even the most certain clients who say, I just want this, just execute. They still want to be surprised. And most of the time, there's more time and there's more money there if you find the thing that connects with the want and not just the need, right? Like mm -hmm. every job comes in, there's the need where it's like I need a 30 second video with four deliverables that are, you know, broken down into social media proportions and blah, blah, blah. But like there's a want underneath almost every single client you pitch to, right? And right. some of them just want to be able to feel like they get to play with whatever you're doing, right? They're failed artists or they went to school and had friends who are artists. They just want to be able to have a sense of like, can I change the color? You know, did I, did I make, did I say something important enough that it showed up in the final thing? And right. you can suss that out. You can find that out and that can help you like actually win a job or build a relationship. But there's other clients who are like, man, I need something that grabs the attention of my boss's boss's boss. 
mm -hmm. need to make something that's so different that wows people, but they're not going to say that to you because they know that's expensive. But if you come to them with something that's like maybe a little bit out the comfort zone, like most decks, right? You pitch at least three things. You pitch the thing that the client asked for, you pitch something that you want to make, and then you pitch something that's so out, like outside of the, like the realm of possibility that it's like a home run swing that you're probably going to strike out nine times out of 10, but you might just connect with something that lets the job just like bust wide open. Right. I, my best project that I've ever directed myself was a result of that. It was a $20,000 oh, wow. ask. Somebody asked us like what screens to buy for a project that was like an experiential project inside a hotel. And I asked them if I could just talk to them. Like, could I just show you what we did? And can I ask you some questions? Can I get on the phone for an hour? That turned into a visit to Las Vegas. That turned into the next day flying to LA. We spent a day doing a workshop and it turned into a three and a half million dollar three-year project from a $20,000 ask, right? Like, so oh sometimes gosh. those home run swings actually connect into something that's just like, it's the best project I've ever worked on. It's, it defines a movie studio in terms of like the full expression of who they are. And it, it, it's awesome. It was amazing. We got to make 90 minutes of animation, you know, off wow. of just a, essentially was a question. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's can true. I, can I have permission to show you something? Do you mind if I ask you something? Can I share something with you? Right. And we gave them all the safe stuff. We're like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you the, the, the $20,000 ask for free. If you let me take this, this swing, um, doesn't work all the time, but sometimes it turns into something that you're like, holy cow. Right. No, no, you're absolutely right about that too. And with regards to, to the Shogun, um, pitch that you had, di you had, you did for FX. Um, it sounds like, you know, that there weren't many constraints if at all, but I do have to ask, were there any constraints that the client gave you to, to yeah. put this concept together? I mean, I, I like FX is amazing. Like they, they were so wonderful in the sense that they came to with a ton of research. They shared a lot of research they okay. found while they were developing the show. But, um, one of the, one of the other best uh, like practices I think you can ask is it's almost impossible to get a yes right away on that initial conversation with any kind of client, but mm -hmm. immediately you can ask them and get no, like a no or a series of no's right away. And you can use that to your advantage. I always ask people like, you know, what do you know this shouldn't be? Like, if you saw this in my pitch, what would be That's a, a signal question. that, that, that we missed the mark totally before we ever like set pencil to paper and people sure. will give you that list really fast, right? Like they had a nice list of just like, can't be this and they would give you a reason why, or you can probe for the reason why. So they, mm -hmm. they were great in terms of at least setting a box of things we should stay away from. Okay. Um, which helped us just avoid, you know, I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I was able to go, you know, in a couple of nights, like put something together because I was like, sure. cool, I don't have to think about this. I'm just going to work in this area and I can expand, but I just need to stay away from these certain, you know, kind of like evocations of, of Japan or Japanese culture or what people think of like the location from hundreds of years ago or something right. historical or other people's kind of approaches to a similar subject matter. Like they were great at saying like, just, we don't want it to look or feel like this. Sure. No, definitely. And um, with regards to this project too, you know, were there any challenges or rewards that you experienced while working on it? Like what would be um, the biggest reward or challenge when you think back on it? You know, what might that be? For me, I, I, I always, I always feel like um, maybe because it's my science background or maybe it's because of imposter syndrome. I always feel like a lot of my, my first instinct is always very literal. Like I always think like, okay, literally, what is this time period? What can I mm -hmm. show? 
Um, but the things I enjoy, the things I re that resonate with me, the movies I go back to all the time, the books I go back and read, you know, every four or five years to see what I'm bringing to it now, it always is more poetic or lyrical or has like multiple layers of meaning underneath it. Like we were talking about mm -hmm. intent. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe that's why I love like, you know, certain, like something like Jordan Peele's movies or, you know, like I love magical realism novels or whatever that might be. Obviously everybody drink cause you'll hear me say his name a thousand times, but like even someone like Guillermo del Toro's work, it doesn't operate just on the superficial level there's always some thought or care or emotion or experience mm -hmm. under underneath that service um i don't know if i got there all the way but i definitely feel like um i was finally getting to operate on that kind of like level of like okay cool this stuff is not literal like you know there there aren't three characters that climb up a hill in the movie or in the show right but right there's right. A, a, an emotional reason for why that's there right there's a metaphorical reason so i think that sure. was probably like the thing i was most excited about was just being able to like you get the luxury to play in this so rarely in, in our industry. True. You know, most of the time it's like, how do we get the lo the logo bigger? <laughs> like, you know, without <laughs> it being so big, like that's normally like the kinds of questions you have to kind of like problem solve. So um, right, right. I think that was it. Just, you know, the luxury of being able to play in this, this world that you don't get to very often. Very cool. And this, this might be a redundant question then, cause I feel like you may have answered it, but I'll ask you this anyway too. Um, you know, what about this frame or this set of frames that you developed, you know, makes it your favorite? Um, the fact that you're staring, you're, you're being confronted with something. Um, the fact that like there, there's a frame that might make you uncomfortable, but also might make you intrigued, right? Like so many times, you know, like you either make something that's, it's scary. And just on the surface, it's scary. There's a bunch of blood and it's dark and foreboding. And like, like there, there's maybe another layer of emotional reaction. And I think that comes back to that question I asked is like, what's the response I want? out right. of um, viewers to this stuff. And I, I think I was allowing myself to ask something a little bit more deep than like, are you excited? Or are you scared? Are you happy? Or are you sad? There's a, a, another layer of like intrigue or, or interest that you might have in it. And I feel like both of those two frames kind of achieved it. If you really do look into it, it's like, it's not just a suit of armor. There's a person, but why is that person wearing it? Are they wearing it because they want to, or are they wearing it because they have to? And then the, the character with the fan, you know, like historically, what is that? You know, like why, why are they punching through the smoke to still hide their, their face? You know, like there's, there's another layer behind beyond that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation learning about the Shogun project with you, Ryan. Um, I really enjoyed learning about your, you know, how you got into the motion design industry, all the work that you've been doing. I loved working, talking with you about this project. If people want to connect with you and learn more about what you're working on, what's the best mm -hmm. way for them to do so? Um, I'm pretty much everywhere. Social media, I'm Odernod, O-D-D-E-R-N-O-D, -O -D -E um, just because there's a million other people with my name. Um, but I've been that on Instagram and I think pretty much ever Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can always message me there. Um, I also do a thing where I have open office hours, probably two or three days a week. So if you go to um, calendly.com slash Odernod, um, if you want to talk about work, if you want to talk about demo reels, if you want advice on how to get into a studio, um, if you're just finding out about making style frames, you want to know, you know, what the first steps are into doing that. Um, normally two or three times a week, I have 15 and 30 minute kind of like um, appointments available for that. So that's a great way to just like sit down and talk, uh, chat with me. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to share, we'll share that link. We'll share, you know, some Sweet. of the links to the other things that we've talked about today. Um, you know, including the tools and resources that we mentioned for our audience to check out, but that wraps it up for today. Everyone feel free to email us at styleframesatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, if you like what you see and hear here, don't forget to subscribe, like share and review the show on your favorite podcasting platforms as well.
And lastly, come connect with us on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you again, Ryan, for joining us today. And we'll see you all in the next one.